Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach. I'm joined by Angela and Matt. It's our August roundup thing. Hey. Yay! Will is uh, absent this episode because after, I'm going to say he recommended um, the Square Enix manga reading app. Um, he's taken a vow of silence in, pen- like in penitence. Um, so he is here with us. Penitence, a real word? Yes. He is only a, the penitent man shall pass is yes. the only phrase that I he is. Of. He is a penitent, and it would have been in penance, but yes, he is a penitent. Mm. Um, and yeah, if you like read up on that thing, it sounds like a nightmare. Um, but yeah, we have comic books, four of them. We read them. We're going to talk about them. That, that's how this works. That's, that that's basically works. the premise of the thing I know, that I we never, do. I never thought I could sum it up so eloquently. <laughs> Perfect. Without Will here, I'm able to use 100% of my brain. <laughs> you make it sound like you have to split your brain with Will in a kind of... I, I mean, it's Do you think sh- either of us seem like functional humans when we're together? Well, no, but <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't looking into it that deeply. It seems safe or not, so. And that silence says <laughs> it all. Um, I don't think we've really got any news today, as far as I'm aware. So should we just do some general what you all been doing kind of? Mm, yeah, we, we can do that. Sweet. What you all been doing? <laughs> Yeah, that, that sums it up, doesn't it? Busy, busy week. Busy yeah. people. Um, I, what have I been doing? Um, reading books. I read some really good, like, 60s uh, sci-fi recently. Uh, that's been cool. Going to, like, political rallies and stuff, you know, like, socialist stuff pretty neat um and occasionally playing some video games i've honestly like apart from doing a reread of vagabond uh i've not been doing that much comics stuff um and i'm still waiting on my orphan trade i'm told it could arrive any week now (laughs) (laughs) um that you know, look at you going outside and stuff. Why do you do? I have read some comics. It's uh, I, I'm trying. I've, I've basically told myself I'm not going to back any Kickstarters until I've read the existing <laughs> Kickstarters. Good idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have read pretty much in the like, last two or three weeks i've read all four killtopias 
Oh, neat. Um, which is really good. The last, the next one is going to be the last one, which is interesting. Um, which then obviously means there'll be some kind of nice collector edition that I'm going to feel like I should also back. But I'm not going to bow to the pressure. I'm stronger than that. <laughs> also, I'll still have 200 Kickstarters to finish. Um, but it's really good. Uh, we should probably do a Killtopia episode when that last one comes out. I, I would love that. Um, and I know they're meant to be doing the animated series still, which... Any week now, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't. It's due out. Uh, I also read It Took Luke, which I have no idea when I backed that. But it was like a one-issue thing about monster hunting, as one does. Uh, which was really good and seems like a very Matt kind of thing. So Matt, look up It Took Luke. Okay. And I've read most of Crock and Roll. I could finish reading that any any day now. Yeah. Started reading it when Hamish was sending out the PDFs and then I've uh, mm. I've got the trade that I've not finished, so that's nice. But I'm sure it looks good, like as a trade on your shelf. Yeah, you know, it looks great. Cracking. Good spine. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's what a chiropractor often says. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking good spine. <laughs> uh, anything I and uh, I watch Sandman. San- Sandman is a thing I watched. Good. Yeah, if if you like the idea that Sandman could be a TV show, so you never need to read those trades again. Yeah, it's. I- uh, <laughs> plays around with the order of things a little bit the corinthian matters way sooner but overall pretty pretty faithful to the comics to the point of being like i was gonna reread some of it before watching it i was like i'll see and i'm like well i didn't need to reread this i just yeah i've i remember this this is how it looks this is how it goes it's good it's fine it's, it's okay you'll have a have a good time if you like Sandman. Mm. You're gonna have a Sandman time. If you, if Which you don't is like kind Sandman, of what you'd mm. hope. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's the. I would go as far as to say it is the most faithful comic book adaptation. I have seen since Watchmen. Ooh. Which was a little Wait. bit too faithful, except for that bit that wasn't. Mm. Go on, Matt, fight me. I was just I was I was trying to I was like I I was thinking about whether it was about the faithfulness of it and I was like there is that it is it is missing the big squid. True, they did improve the ending, I agree. <laughs> um I mean I can I'm trying to think if I if I can really fight that. <laughs> It's a hard argument to make. To I've, I've seen it done, but it's don't know. It's it's nice that you know Sandman's finally getting its adaptation. I very much enjoy when it takes thirty years to try and adapt something from you know source material. I look forward to the thirty-year wait for the twenty twenties good comic books to get adapted in the twenty fifties. <laughs> So that's all my cynicism done. Angela, you've been busy? 
No. 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 Rad. Um, taking the dog on a walk every day because you have to. Apparently, Some dogs work. You you got to take them for walks. Um, aside from that, it's a bit of a time drain. Um, I read some stuff. I enjoyed some stuff. There you go. That's. I've been yeah. I'm, I'm reading How to Train Your Dragon, which I don't nice. care if you say it's a children's book. It's my nephew's favourite series. Um, so I am you know in an effort to bond. Uh, I am now rereading. How to Train Your Dragon. I read it when it first came out many years ago, but I couldn't remember mm. anything about it. And the films are, like, completely different. Yeah, my understanding has always been that uh, the dragon's way smaller and, like... Yeah, so Toothless... Yeah, Toothless in the films is the big Black Knight Fury, super special, all the rest of it. Yes. Toothless in the books is a tiny little Commodore Garden dragon who just hates things and he doesn't want to go and catch fish and he doesn't want to do anything. He just wants to curl up and he's tiny as well. He's quite a small, Same. small dragon. So, yeah, it's kind of weird to see how they adapted it because they took the names. That's it. That's basically it. Huh. They didn't. They didn't really follow much of it at all. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, that scans with what people have told me in the past. Um, yeah, the films, I, I'm told the the books are good, and you know the films are good, so I guess everybody wins. Yeah, it's it's like the opposite of a Sandman adaptation. It's like <laughs> we'll be we'll make you read the books, and then you'll go, "Man, these books are completely different to the film," and the television series spun off the film. Oh man, I forgot about that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Do those TV spin-offs now? It, it's weird because it reminds me of like when the you know when the Disney Channel used to do all the spin-offs in like the nineties, yeah. the Timon and Pumba show and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like with the um the like in the Aladdin uh, TV show that had Dan Castellaneta uh, in it. I think most of them probably had Dan Castellaneta in them. Like <laughs> the Hercules one as well. Yeah. You know, once you've got someone in the studio, it's easy to keep them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just lock the doors. It's fine. Totally fine. Uh, shall we roll into Please. The, the bulk of this rather, rather than trying yeah. to drag out our nonsense? Please save me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, with that in mind, Angela, would you like to get us started with our first book of our August roundup? I certainly shall. So, the first book is The Deadliest Bouquet, published by Image. Uh, the writer, and she also did the letters, the infamous Erica Schultz. We've come across her before. Uh, the art is Carol uh, Borelli. The colours are Gab Contreras. The edits are James Emity. Don't know what the edits were. And the cover is by Adriana Mello and... Dijo Lima. I apologise for anyone's name I've mispronounced, probably all of them. Um, so The Deadliest Bouquet is set in a flower shop and flower names um, will be important. So we have Jasmine Hawthorne who runs a flower shop. She has three daughters whom she has named Poppy, Rose and Violet. See what she did there. Um, Jasmine Hawthorne basically in flashbacks we discover 
threw a husband down the stairs and killed him essentially um, and buried him in the back garden as you do and brought her daughters up in some kind of weird way where they you know can throw knives with precision and um, all of that Um, anyway Jasmine has been murdered and this brings the sisters together they're a little bit estranged um, because Poppy and Violet sort of left the family home. Poppy's got married to a chap called Derek Winterberry um, and has two children, Holly and Asta. See what she did there. Um, and so the family come back together. There is a detective, Detective Bayani, and um, the police officer, Officer Gutierrez. And they are investigating this murder, but the girls are like... You know, we shall. We need to investigate this murder, and there is much talking about their past and how their mother brought them up, and uh, what they are going to do about the fact that their mother's been murdered in her own shop. Um, and that that that's the plot there. Um, yeah, the summary mentions that like says that their mother was like a was a Nazi hunter. Yeah, because she has a specific tattoo as well, which is Officer Gutierrez handily tells her um was like a resistance tattoo but obviously the mother this is set in the 90s as well um but she suggests that the mother was too young at the time to have been part of the resistance movement she would have been a child during the second world war but clearly it's important um and is is mentioned um poppy's husband derek is kind of supposedly normal and comes in um, and also he's very good at abandoning his children in hotel rooms and saying it's fine kids we'll get pizza later which terrible terrible no, he says they're going to take him out to the pool he does then but there's the, there's the implication when he first takes them in there that he's just going to lock them in the hotel room i had to read it twice ah! before i realized he may not have been doing that to be fair not many of these characters are especially likable um viola is violent uh, Rose feels hard done by because she was left looking after mum um, and Poppy's tried to move on from her horrendous past by getting married and having children um, they've all got issues I think at one point there is a line um, I think Derek says something like they're a bit dysfunctional um, as they're arguing about possibly going after the people that killed their mother so yeah it's basically it's family drama with added possible assassin kind of level bringing up your kids and also murder that that's it yeah uh i had forgotten the blurb for this book between us choosing this book and me reading this book Mm, me too um and i'd kind of projected what i was expecting onto this and i didn't get any of it so um how do I explain this? Uh, when everyone was like plant named and then there were three daughters, I was really expecting witches and magic. Yeah, that probably would have made more sense than see, I t- taught my daughters to be like secret assassin killers. Yeah, sudden assassins had a, well, it, it was a surprise, um, but probably because I'd forgotten the blurb more than anything. I um, think because you'd forgotten the blurb. Yeah, but also, you know... I think that's maybe a little bit unfair. It's unfair, but I think if you name your characters plant names and then, you know... 
have a tri- trio of them. I think there's an expectation to fulfil that there's going to be some magic there. I mean, I automatically <laughs> went to keeping up appearances because... Oh, yeah, Hyacinth. Yeah? Hyacinth, okay, yeah. Rose and Violet. And I was like, yeah, this is just like that ancient sitcom um, where they <laughs> named all the kids after flowers. Yeah, that's where I went. Um, overall... This just massively didn't click with me, excluding the thing about the blurb. I I just don't know what really to make of this. It, no. it feels like quite cliche in a lot of spaces, with especially the character, you know, the uh, aggressive black sheep sister, the nice homemaker sister and then the one who stayed with the mummy almost comes off as like um you know orphan black we're all yeah we kind of have the i can't remember the character names uh the one who's become a mum and has kids and lives in the suburbs and then the one who's you know sarah sarah is the main one who's a criminal and she's all dodgy and stuff and Feel like we've got those same kind of what are the different versions of this person we could have, but with sisters. Um, also, man, this this issue sure does end, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, really threw me. <laughs> I, mm. I, I I I don't really know what to say. I just my main kind of thing of this because it didn't really click for me either. Um, was that I just found it very overwritten. Um, like the 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 dialogue in particular, stuff like the ca- characters kind of the, the their exposition to kind of tell like as they, they they it's very exposition heavy in it and like the way that characters will say like oh i uh, like oh knives are usually like my the, the thing i do me violet um <laughs> who is also violent because uh like it's alliterative um, and such like mm. all this that I, I found i just I, I struggled to click like and it it you know i don't have sisters and you know, I uh, like, and wasn't raised to seemingly like you know hunt Nazis. Uh, so I don't know how that changes like how you talk with your siblings. But my siblings and I, you know, we don't have it's it's not that sort of like cutesy overwritten. No, cutesy's an unfair term. Like, but the the kind of cloying, like, alliterative, um, like, descriptor nicknames. Mm. Um, and so I just found very over... Just, yeah, just very overwritten, and it just kept taking me out of it. It didn't feel like something anyone would say. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's quite heavy on dialogue, but not necessarily, like, essential dialogue. And I think there is a lot of characters saying each other's names. And whilst I I think it's good to establish each character by name, 
especially if there's going to be quite a lot of characters, it does feel like there's a lot of... So, Matt, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Angela, what are your thoughts? And yeah. It never I, really stops. I think the problem as well is it could have been quite an interesting crime book with family drama, like, oh, who killed our mother? Is this related to the murder of our father that our mother committed? You had a really interesting hook there just with that and sibling relationships admittedly i don't have sisters i don't know how it goes but i'm reliably informed by people that have them that sister relationships are different to the ones you have with brothers so i can kind of it it is overwritten and the dialogue is very stilted at points like deliberately here's your name i think there is some attempt to try and write a realistic sisterly relationship that doesn't quite work But all you needed to do was have that murder and then have these sisters come back together and just go on about that. You don't necessarily need the Nazi hunting assassin angle. It just Mm. feels like that's thrown in there for reasons. It's like you could have had an interesting crown, like, you know, know, is the detective going to uncover the fact that, you know, mum had murdered her husband? Are they going to do more of an investigation? You could have had a really interesting crime hook. Uh, or a magic hook alternatively and it just feels like it's a really weird combination of you know crime but also family drama but quite cliched stilted family drama but also knives but also knives doesn't quite fit it feels like the pieces could have been better put together yeah definitely and i don't know where this is going to go. I think there's options for this to perhaps come together and get interesting and find its feet. It might just be a bit of a feeling out for the first issue. Um, there are quite a lot of things to establish with the three sisters, their backstory, the story of what happened to their father. But I don't know. It feels like there's a lot to kind of tidy up along the way already. Um, I was confused as well by... The mother whose name I've already forgotten. Jasmine Hawthorne. Jasmine Hawthorne. Being in her late 40s in 1998 and therefore mm. being old enough to have been a child in World War Two would mean she was in her late 50s, surely. Yes. Otherwise, she yeah. would have been born yeah. pretty clearly after... 1950 surely yeah if she's in her 40s yeah it doesn't it doesn't quite track that at all um that was something that immediately stuck out to me was it's 98 she's in her late 40s world war ii tattoo i feel like the years are at least a little bit askew to be fair yeah there might be a actual you know that might turn out to be a plot point true that 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 is an option to kind of intentionally we think she's in her 40s and she isn't or the tattoo is much newer or whatever i don't know there's all kinds of options but i don't know that did stick out to me as Mm. times don't make sense i'm also curious as to why 1998 yeah Uh, nothing sometimes just because like as a as like someone does a lot of tabletop role play and has done modern systems um, you know what really interferes with having a compelling 
uh, mystery and often action mystery. Phones. The wide availability of phones. So true. Yeah, that is true. And like, I still love how all horror films are like, any horror film set now is like, first things first, a phone's part of the plot or we're getting rid of phones somehow. We're just jettisoning them. We're not even mentioning them. Or are we going to mention them and they just can't get a signal? Also, or... also if it weren't the 90s, then she couldn't have uh, flown on Concord. True. That was the first. Mm. Even though I'd read it was 98 yeah, when she I dropped the Concord that. line. Like, ah. Yeah. 98. Gotcha. Um, I don't. It's weird because Concords are one of those things that are so incredibly 90s that it's hard to know what else you could drop in that's as 90s other than like pages or dial-up connection. Oh, those were the days. (laughs) AOL Uh, Messenger. Just AOL in general. Painful reminder of AOL. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting how AOL ended up being used in England. Where was... UK online. <laughs> UK OL. <laughs> that sounds like a question. Like, UK Where is UK OL? Yeah. yeah. UK OL. <laughs> got to get that trademark while well, I've got the. <laughs> get it out there now. <laughs> anyway, so in conclusion, Deadly Spoke. Meh. Kinda, yeah. I I don't have a lot to add, and I feel like I should. Um, But my main points were kind of not sure about time periods and that the ending just surprised me because there isn't one. It's just... (laughs) There's no, like... I don't know, like, some of the books we've read this month and some of the books we always read have like a little signing off like next month or you know to be continued not just you know knife pointed at you not even a fade to black there's not even a fade to black there's nothing it's a fade to uh, advert for Declan Shelby's new comic (laughs) I thought that was, honestly, I kept going because I thought, oh, right, they've just stuck a, an advert in and yeah. then they'll pick it up afterwards. No, no, they did not. Which is worse because there's an advert and then there's a preview for another comic. So I kept reading thinking, man, this has changed direction. <laughs> this is very different now. <laughs> the hell's happening here? And it's like, oh, nothing. This is this is the preview yeah. for flawed knots. I don't know. Um I'm confused. I I think things. I, <laughs> um, but but no, no more than I've already said. And on <laughs> and on that note, I'll be introducing our second book of this month, um, which is from Vault. Goes by the name of Heart Eyes Number One. It's written by Dennis Hopeless, who I could have sworn dropped the Hopeless a couple of years ago and was being Dennis Hallam. No, he brought he's brought it back because he did EXO under Dennis Hopeless. Yeah, right. Style um, made him very difficult to tag on Twitter. Just gonna say. Yes, I mean I'm a big fan of Dennis Hopeless as a. I was gonna say stage name. That's not the right term. Pseudonym. Yeah. Um, Dennis Don Hopeless is. Thank you, Matt. Making it all French for a second there. 
Um, written by Dennis Hopeless. Artist is Victor Ibanez. Colorist is Addison Duke. And letterer is Simon Boland. What's what's heart eyes, I hear you ask? Um, heart what's eyes. Heart eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Angela. Um, don't know don't know what I'd do without you here. <laughs> Probably talk to Matt more, I guess. Um, heart eyes is what's heart eyes? <laughs> God, damn it. <laughs> heart eyes follows the story of Lupe, and as she strolls around a world that has ended in essence as one day monsters appear and eat everyone and destroy the world yeah lovecraftian horrors from beyond your imagination that drive you insane yeah nightmare creatures that are all tentacles and eyes and numerous variant covers thanks vault love it um yeah nightmare creatures lot lot of tentacles lot of eyes lot of um end of watchman vibes um graphic novel not comic book no wait what am i talking about <laughs> graphic novel not film uh graphic novel and comic book are very similar for watchman um i wish i had a point but for some reason lupe is just strolling around out in the open everything's going to be okay however while she's wandering around out in the open unafraid she is rescued from her casual walk down the street <laughs> after she steals the plushy octopus she's always wanted uh, by Rico, who is part of a family who are surviving the apocalypse in a kind of accessible only by the sewers, water pipes kind of facility that an electrical engineer relative has managed to rig up all kinds of wonderful technology love it when you solve a problem by just introducing an engineer um and basically lupe and rico are the same kind of age so they're all like hey let's go hang out in the apocalypse am i right and the family are all like no kids you'll die there's monsters outside um and that's largely this issue. They 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 hang out and the family try and go, dude, don't hang out, you'll die. Lovecraftian horrors and such. Yeah. Um. This one tonally a little bit weird, kind of immediately, kind of Lupe is kind of childlike, but then we seem to get to horny quite quickly, which is. A bit of a breakneck kind of twist, but sure, why not? Um, I guess if she's been, you know, raised herself in the apocalypse, surrounded by aliens, monster, beast, creature, demons, I don't know what these are. We don't know what these are yet. You're likely to be a little bit unpredictable. Um, We also get glimpses of her life before the apocalypse. That's a weird sentence. Um with her kind of alcoholic uncle, which seems like not a great start for her as a character. And we're kind of giving hints as to Rico and his family's kind of past traumas and losses. There's quite a lot to unpack here, all in all, I think. Mm. Anyone? Anyone? Yes. What you guys it, got? Hit me. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. Because it starts off like your basic apocalyptic dystopia and then you've just got this young woman walking down the street and it's 
I like that complete and utter weird disconnect that, hey, yeah. the apocalypse, evil monsters, and also, she, you know, she just wants an octopus plushie. <laughs> Don't we all, you know? That's <laughs> kind scheme. of... As, as a character introduction, it's, it's a good one. And then there's Rico, and then there's all the whole... Yeah, the survivalist family who... I suppose it's kind of like, you know, they're surviving, but are they really living? There's, there's this kind of a hint, like, Rico's 17, he spent a lot of his years with the horrors of the world and dystopia and all the rest of it, and he just wants to go out there and for once experience the world in a different way, and all his family are like, no, it's dangerous. And it's your classic teenage rebellion, but with the twist that, you know, this teenager could get eaten by a Lovecraftian nightmare. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Which is, you know, interesting. Mm. Also, I like the fact she's, like, the waterfall freaks her. She's like, I can't swim. I'm not going through with the wall of water with you, sir. And he's like, no, it's fine. It's what is it she calls it? She calls it like she a calls drowning it... wall or something. Yeah, that's it, the drowning wall. I like that. I like the Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's quite amusing. Um. Yeah, so... I had similar weird feelings about kind of Lupe tonally at points. Yeah. Um, like you did. And again, like it's I, I, I'm trying to not kind of read like think like think too much on that and like but I, 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 overall, I, I quite liked this, um, or at least, like, feel like it has some, some potential, like, partially just because who's the, like, who the team is on this. Yeah. Um, but I also quite like a number of the, like, design ideas we see at various points, like, there's a, couple of really good panels where we see a like where where we get a flashback uh from rico of his um granddad mm. um killing his grandmother um where we kind of see the what like a, a small like creature do you like this because of starro no <laughs> no I like it just because of the way, like, I like the way the kind of face, like, the the faces are kind of merged um, until kind of it separate it, it separates from her. And just like, like Starro. Kinda, okay. <laughs> I... <sighs> Ugh. It's okay, uh, Matt. I like Starro too. <laughs> Yeah, so it feels like there's something interesting going on. Her uncle is seemingly responsible for making the like for bringing through the monsters, mm. um, and there and you know as she was there as they first came through, she seems to have some sort of bond with them, and to have been kind of touched by it in a way that gives her some sort of kind of immunity or 
control. Mm. Um, and she's like interesting and interesting enough. Like as a character, like you said, those turn there's some interesting turns of phrase that I really like. Like say the drowning wall uh, and stuff is just a really neat phrase. To, yeah, like to describe a waterfall if you've never seen one. Um, and overall, the book looks really good. Like it's got some, you know, I love the the shade of like nuclear green yellow that's used to kind of like represent when the various horrors mm. um, are, are about uh, and stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's I I fairly enjoyed this. Yeah, I I agree. I think. Um visually this is really nice and i am quite intrigued by lupe and her backstory and what's yeah if her uncle has indeed you know summoned interdimensional monsters that's that's you know you know we've all been drunk (laughs) we've all yeah we've all been there in the happens to the best of us um so i I am kind of curious as to where this is going to go and i do have like like Matt said, quite a lot of faith in the members of this creative team to do something pretty interesting. Um, even if it is kind of a slightly weird start, but it happens. It it's a weird but interesting start. It's not it's not a bad start. It it's a Oh words and the meaning of them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. It does it does draw you in a little bit and it helps that Lupe's kind of an interesting character, which is good because there's a lot of her in this. Um yeah. and it does feel like that is thought behind all the different relationships with the people in the past and the present. So I also have faith in the creative team and I think it could be interesting. Heart Eyes has potential. I think it has some of the best potential of the books this month. I think it has more potential than the Deadly Spokey in many regards because I actually like the characters. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the characters feel a lot more defined after only one issue. And it's like, even though you have some weird exposition, like Rico's like, and this is Tyson, my brother-in-law, it's not done in... A really awkward way and it's like it takes a while to actually learn Rico's name mm. like Lupe even calls him out like but I don't even know your name yeah um, and it still actually takes him a while to tell her who he is so it does feel quite natural the relationships feel quite yeah. normal even though it's not normal at all the situation that they're in I agree with that I also think um I meant to mention this with the, when I was talking about like visuals and stuff that Asvolt are the ones who include every single possible variant cover. There are some really good ones here. Um, Big fan of the Jenny Frisson ones. I think there's like three different ones Mm -hmm. that are all coloured differently. They're all really nice. Or maybe only two different ones. I can't tell. They're too far apart. (laughs) Um, Also, there's a Burnham and Russell one. I want to say it's... I can't remember Burnham's first name. And it doesn't say, but Variant covers are good. 
Yes. I do like the Volta like his all the variant covers. Yeah, I think it's nice. Image more often than not include them in the back, or sometimes include them in the back at least. But I like that Volta like, hey, we're gonna give you a what is this? Like a fifty page, forty yeah. page PDF. But like half of it is different variant covers. And, you know, it clearly works because yeah. we're sat here talking about them, so whatever. Yeah. Well well done, Vault. You, Congrats, you Vault. Works. You've manipulated us again. Damn you. Um, does anyone have anything else to add or should we move on? I don't have anything else to add. That's more for me. So shall we move on to the, the life and death of the brave Captain Suave? A bit wordy, that one, isn't it? But, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Okay, we're just going to call it Captain Suave um, shortly. Good, good anyway, call. Yeah, I'm going to say all that. So, uh, the ridiculously titled book is published by Scout Comics. The writer is Joseph Seraki. The artist is Kelly Williams. The letterer is Taylor Esposito. Um, just throwing in the extra people. The logo design was Jimmy Presler. The editor was Andrea Lorenzo Molinari. And production was Marcus Gilori. I'm sure yeah. I pronounced that incorrectly. Right. So, The Life and Death of the Brave Captain Swerve is a weird one. So, Captain Swerve is actually pretty much a homeless guy who collects comic books. And I think the narration even says basically, this guy's mentally ill. This is the plot point. And he juxtaposes himself um, in his current homeless form um, with Captain Suave, who is sort of like a golden silver age kind of comic book hero um, who goes about rescuing people. So he's seeing situations through the lens of the media which he has consumed Um so, for example, there is a burning building and Captain Suave rushes in to rescue a baby and it turns out to be a guide's collection of weed, basically. And he recruits this chap, who is Stanley, um, who will be referred to by Captain Suave as Champ. Because, um, you know, that's, that's what the heroes used to call their sidekicks, because he's a hero and he needs a sidekick. Um, so, Stanley Champ... Uh, goes along with this. I mean, he was smoking a joint, so maybe it's not one of the best decisions he's made. Um, as Captain Suave goes about the city, so like the wind turbine is the Hydra, his worst enemy, and he has to go and stop the wind turbine because the wind turbine blows his comics and therefore is evil, and he goes and fights it. Um, and, yeah, he sees things not as they are, but sort of how they are in his head. Um, but we see sort of both sides of it. So we see like a panel of what's actually happening in reality. And then the panel next to it is like the Captain's Suave one. And this is what actually how he's interpreting what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, he gets into a fight. And the next issue is going to be him fighting with a bouncer. Mm-hmm. Random. Um, so it is a bit of a weird one. It seems to almost be sort of a rumination on like comics now and comics then and it's using this as a weird narrative device it's using a homeless mentally ill guy as a narrative device which hmm, maybe problematic um 
just slightly. Uh, that's probably my main problem with this. Um, I mean, the actual thing that it's trying to do, I can respect. You know, it's interesting to compare things through a different lens, but I'm not convinced that this is possibly the best way to be doing it in that, you know, you're taking this mentally ill guy who's hooking up with a guy who, you know, deals drugs by all accounts. Um, and, yeah, so I mean, what it's trying to do is interesting. Tonally, it shifts all over the shop. Tonally, it's like, this is serious, but also, it's like, do you laugh at the guy or with the guy? The book doesn't yeah. know half the time whether you're meant to be laughing at him or with him or whether you're meant to have sympathy with him or whether you're just meant to go, oh, that crazy guy. Doesn't know. The book doesn't really tell you. Um, <clears throat> and then it ends on a cliffhanger. And I like how it does have some self-awareness at the end, and it's like, yeah, but cliffhangers, because they make money for publishers because you'll come and read the next issue. Yeah. Um, so... There are interesting ideas, but uh, the execution problematic. Discuss. It. This is possibly going to be like for a limited uh, audience. Um, but it reminds me more than anything of the uh, of that Mitchell and Webb look sketch. Yeah, right. The surprising adventures of Sir Digby Chicken Caesar. Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, where, except, like, with maybe, with a, a bit more of a, yeah, just a little bit more kind of conscience uh, to its portrayal of homelessness and mental illness. Um, like, I don't think it's actually, like, I do think that it's, heart is in the right place but it is or it's at least trying to be in the right place yeah um i just like and that it's not just trying to linger in misery Mm. which is something that like is far too easy to do with this sort of subject matter but I, I just don't really know. Like it has some oh, some okay paneling at points, um, and hops kind of between uh, art styles fairly fairly well. But yeah, um, yeah, largely agreeing with. The words Matt has just said. Uh, the Mitchell and Webb thing was basically one of my only notes about this was that <laughs> it, it feels weirdly like that at times. I don't even know if that's a conscious thing or just completely coincidental. Um, I'm going to assume coincidental because I feel like yeah, the Mitchell and, mm. that Mitchell and Webb look, the Mitchell and Webb, whatever it's called, is pretty niche. But who knows? Um, in terms of art, I thought it was actually a pretty good book. I think yeah. the visuals yeah. are really nice. Um, and I do like the kind of golden age panels. I think they work really nicely. Uh, tone is, yeah, kind of all over the place. But I think that is, I think Matt's right. And it is, I can't believe I'm saying Matt's right. It hurts. Um, and it is partially intentional to not be too bleak. And to try and illustrate that it is talking about the shift between the kind of classic and modern comics 
Uh, one thing that, other than the thing with the wind turbine, yeah, I, I'm not feeling a lot of the modern retelling of Don Quixote. No, there are I'm, there are little nods to it, but yeah, like yeah, um, Champ is clearly his Sancho Panza. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fairly clearly like a, a Cervantes kind of pastiche or retelling. I yeah, I can see I can see the points where he's kind of touching on it, but I don't think it's the most immediate. Like, I think if I didn't, if I hadn't read that information, I'm not sure I would have. I think I would have just seen the fighting windmills as a one-off. Like, oh yeah, I recognize this reference. Whereas, yeah, I think well. You see, Zach, he saw those windmills and he thought that they might be giants. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought they might be fake. They, they might be liars. They might be big, big, fake, fake liars. Um, <laughs> well played. Uh, yeah. Look, I hope you're happy. Mm. I mean, never, but... That's why I share my misery. Uh, very true. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's more or less everything I have for this. I have kind yeah. of mixed feelings about the overall vibe, but yeah, yeah. But I, th- I, I just, I'd like to kind of see where it goes. Honestly, yeah. before like before saying anything more like i think it has i think it could be interesting with a bit more time yeah and i think it could i think the tone might balance out it might just be the initial shock of like clearly both of us have gone yeah yeah much the web um (laughs) i i think when maybe that's not as prominent in our minds it might you know feel quite yeah. different yeah um so shall we move on to the last book of the uh of the month yes we, sh- we shall treve cavalt uh, or true cult um <laughs> comes to us from uh writer and and uh co-creator scott brian wilson and artist and co-creator uh, liana kangas with colors by uh, Gab Contreras and letters by DC Hopkins. Uh, so remember Clerks. Remember Clerks too. Remember like <laughs> how disappointed you were by Clerks too. Forget that. No. Um, because Clerks so, three is coming out next year. <laughs> so True Cult uh, follows so far like the story of uh marty uh tarantella uh who has been working the same job at uh this uh this fast food franchise like mcdonald's kind of alike called burger lord um for the last 15 years he's been just like felt 
he's had this potential uh, all that time and that they've never they've they've recognized it occasionally when when he'd only been there for four hours they upgraded him from working on the fryer to the grills you know they knew that there was something in him but then they never pushed him that much further until today when he decides that what his potential really was for was robbing uh the strip mall that the uh that the fast food restaurant is uh, is part of. Um, he, you know, he gets uh, gets disguised, does this, and steals from all of the uh, all of the shops, getting a shockingly small amount of money for uh, for it. But he does it, and then notices a delivery driver uh, as well, who tells him that he really shouldn't take what's in. Uh, what's in the back but he does and there starts uh what seems like it's going to be the uh the through line of the series as it seems he's stolen something that may belong to satan uh or at least some people are claiming it does so now he uh his manager bernice and the uh woman he was interviewing uh, for a job uh, at Burger Lord, was that Sonia or Allison? Allison. But the the person he's been interviewing for a job at Burger Lord, Allison, are confronted by cult members and are going to have to somehow deal with this. The pat the 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 cover for the next issue seems that they may in fact deal with this by delving deeper into satanic ritual power themselves. Um, And I'm kind of into this slacker slash robber, like shop robber, satanic fast food series. I... It's got a a a, a post clerk's kind of feel to it all of like the the low stakes kind of of everything so far like the 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 low stakes robberies where like every where where the most he makes from any one place is like six hundred dollars. And he's spent weeks or months even planning this whole mm. thing out. Several stores give him like no money because either no one spends money in cash anymore or it's a mattress store. And who even goes to those? Like it, it it's 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 a it's a it's a vibe that like I I I kind of click with. It's weird. Like Allison is really interesting as a as a character. She has like a a. Were either of you reminded of the 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 Christmas like the Santa story in Gremlins, when she's t- uh, talking in the interview, talking about um, her grand like 
her grandma being found dead in like dead after like months in like a car yeah i can see where you're coming mm. from um it's like yeah just like it's just a a story like start talking to someone and then they start telling a story that keeps getting worse and worse and worse um to the point of like absurdity mm. um uh, yeah, I I enjoyed this. There's a real yeah, like I say, like slackers kind of film film vibe to it. Just people who like sometimes have never really either like, either like Bernice are kind of content in kind of where they're at right now, um, and just kind of like the freedom that they have of doing a job where no one really cares. <laughs> Mm. Um, and there's no drug testing, uh, and it's okay if you steal some food every now and then. To like Marty, who like takes the job really seriously, but at the same time clearly has a lot of inner like is is not happy with it, mm. like. He feels like he he's supposed to be doing something more, and whether that just be that he feels like maybe he should he should be the manager or something like it's there's something kind of just interesting about the whole thing that yeah speaks to me. I agree. I um I backed the Kickstarter for this, and I'm, I'm glad that IDW are now printing it. Um, I think. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying. I think there's uh, quite ground level relatability to Marty as a character, even though he's you know kind of stupid. Um, yeah, and very neurotic. Yeah, and a little bit too proud of <laughs> working at Burgerlord, but hey, whatever. Um, I like how quickly this kind of establishes such a clear aesthetic there's so many like holy cola logos and stupid burger lord things with the little burger with the halo and the and the weird god yeah weird Mm. almost buddy christ-esque god um i do think kevin smith feels like an influence on this but also i feel like with the cult thing there's a almost a tarantino type thing like dust till dawn kind of Mm vibes um but kind of yeah with way lazier characters than Tarantino <laughs> films all the characters seem busy I don't think yeah any any none of these people seem like they've got anything else on um I've read this a few times the first time I thought it was quite a slow start and I still think that but I think it's time well spent in establishing Marty and Benice and Allison, even though we see very little of Allison and Benice in the grand scheme, I think we do get a good sense of who both of them are quite quickly because of the the fact that not much plot happens. We don't really get much of the cult. We just get a lot of the tr- true. I, I don't know what I'm saying, but um, I, I think that works. I think we've got essentially three main characters by the end of the issue and the implication that they've stolen a record from the devil, which is pretty, 
Yeah, I wonder if it's something that they're going to have to play <laughs> backwards or something dumb like that. And the first thing when we see him pull it out of the package, it's got that weird um, aesthetic that's kind of like, you know that thing about people recycling x-rays and printing vinyl yeah. on them? Yeah. It's got that kind of aesthetic, and I don't know if oh, that's... Oh, that's neat, yes. I'd forgotten about those. Um, I can't think what they're called, but there is a specific like name for that as a thing um but yeah i'm curious to see where this is gonna go and how weird this is gonna get weird is my assumption angela any thoughts feelings emotions (laughs) yes Um, (laughs) i would agree i think it's a really slow start to the point where i wasn't i don't think i enjoyed it as much as you two from the start um I did by the end, but I did have a hard time just trying to get into it because it was a bit of a slow one. But I will say that the characters are well done. The whole aesthetic works really well. The fact the cult doesn't come into the end surprised me because I was expecting that to be a plot point way earlier than it was. Mm. Um, I think my favourite bit is the bit where he's actually doing the robbery. And... Like, he's getting nothing. And I think that's just an indictment of how things are these days in the world of retail. It's like he's basically working at the only place that's even making money at this point, really. Like, the mattress guy's, like, so excited because he's the first person he's seen since he started. That was really... I really enjoyed that. Um, And, yeah, it was interesting. And Alison was kind of... And the fact that, you know, the police officers are coming in... um, and he hasn't sort of, he's got this great plan and it's all gone, it's not gone well, let's be honest. But yeah, he's had this plan. No, I was going to say, there's like air quotes around great plan. Plan. He's had plan. Um, <laughs> but he never thought that the cop, you know, he didn't think like, well, what if the cops come? He's like, well, if I wear a mask, no one will know. And it's like, yeah, but if the cops come in, what are you going to do then? And he clearly did not plan that far ahead, bless him. Um and I like how sort of Alison's telling this really gory, dreadful story. And Marty's just completely focused on the fact these cops have walked in. Um, but also the fact as well that Alison is clearly more perceptive than she might seem at first glance, where she's just, you know, basically word vomiting some of the burger lord um, propaganda. Um, like, you know, what, what place it is. And we don't ask for, you know, for fries with that because they'll just they, they don't want the fries they just ask for the burger well, customers know what they want yeah customers know what they want uh that was really good um so yeah i think it, it sets things up really well it can be for me it was a little bit of a drag at first but it did pick up quite considerably so it is interesting to see where it's going because it's really weird because it is very much you know a slacker tale but also now Satanists reasons. Yes. So yeah, it was, yeah. Interesting. Words, thoughts, feelings, emotions. Good job. All were hard. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I think Angela's kind of said everything that me and Matt perhaps hadn't on this one. Yeah, shall we uh, move on to rankings? Yeah. 
Me, it's, it's been like an hour, but it feels like we've really burnt through this. <laughs> These yeah. issues really quickly. <laughs> it's because we've not got Will here to add, God. you know, his dose of misery. He can fax us his thoughts later and... <laughs> don't know. Don't know Carry what to do pigeon. with that. Um, yeah, rankings and such. Anyone? I'll, I'm happy to go first. Yeah? Uh, yeah, so... In fourth place, uh, for me, is probably Deadliest Bouquet. Um, it just didn't click for me at all. Like um, like I said at the time, I found it kind of overwritten, and I just didn't like I wasn't kind of drawn into any of the characters enough mm. um, to really care all too much, which feels like a mean thing to say, but it's kind of where I was at. Um, and then after that would be um, Life and Death of the Brave Captain Suave. I feel that this one could be something that I might look back on in retrospect if it manages to actually do a like have a have a solid landing. Um and therefore kind of I it scores an, enough points to kind of put it over yeah. um, for me. And then uh two uh, heart eyes. Um, it's yeah, like like we were saying at the time, like it's it looks quite nice. It's got um, a, a decent like world, some interesting sort of bits of writing, and I have enough faith in Hopeless that it's going to go somewhere. Mm. Interesting that uh, I. I'm kind of willing to put it down there. Then in number one, True Cult, it works for me in a way that none of the others quite do. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I want to see where it goes with the with with the Satan. Well, well said. Um, I guess I'm already speaking, so I'll continue. So. Uh, fourth for me is the deadliest bouquet. Um, I'm just not really feeling it. I think it might come good, but I have my doubts. I didn't really connect with any of the characters or particularly the plot. I'm I'm just not entirely sure where this is going. Um, I guess we'll see, but I don't know. Basically, Based on this issue, I'm not in. Um, in third, I'm going to go for the life and death of the brave Captain Suave. Yes, Zach. Um, I'm hoping the he, Sir Digby Chicken Caesar vibes aren't as prominent in future issues and I can kind of put that to one side and forget about David Mitchell's face. Um, 
Uh, also Robert Webb's face, because he actually is Sir Digby Chicken Caesar. Yeah. Oh, man, now I can't remember what David Mitchell's character's called. Oh. Doesn't matter. He's the, the, his champ in this equivalent. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that isn't a thing in issue two, and it feels a little bit less... Ginger. Ginger, thank you. That's it. Um, I'm hoping it feels a little bit less insensitive and more kind of aware um but i'm I'm not sure based off this one issue i'm also curious just where it's going to go in general it feels like i have no clue based on this issue one but then i don't know maybe i need to sit down and read don quixote but that's really long so it's it's good though yeah i'm sure windmills (laughs) so i'm told um it did give us that it is it's a series that gave us the name of a good band a series, a book that gave us the name of a good band. Yeah, this is true. Mm. Um, may- maybe that's what I'll do in my spare time. Who knows? Um, I mean, you were complaining to me the other day about the book that you're reading currently. It's not that it's a bad book. It's that it's a very boring book. <laughs> um, from previous episodes, maybe you at home can figure out what book I'm talking about. Or not. Don't know if I've mentioned it. Who knows? Uh, in two, I'm going to put Heart Eyes. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm curious about Lupe, and I, I like a lot of the aesthetic here. I think art is really good, and I, I would like to see where this is going. I will see where this is going. Um, but the, the best book is True Cult, and... Yep. It's the, the yeah the slacker occult petty crime no not petty crime it's armed robbery is not petty it's but it's the like it it's the, the laziest crime it's it's the lowest stakes version of armed robbery you could have yeah, yeah. because it's not like he's robbing anything. With no offence to mattress stores and comic book shops, he's not exactly robbing, like, and I don't know, not, and he's a federal never, bank. And he's never taking no. anything off the people. No, he's taking $600 at best from a store. And it's like yeah. corporate profits he's taking, not like anything yeah. belonging to the to the staff. or. Um, but I think Marty is very likable. I think Allison and Benice and what we see of them, they are likable characters. I also, I don't know. I, I like the kind of incredibly like low budget Ocean's Eleven style presentation to the heist because it's so unheisty. Not sure heisty is a real word, but it's, it's what I'm using right now. Um, but yeah, True Cult, it's pretty good. Or Trivacalva. <laughs> no. Trivacalva. I can't even fucking do it. Um, it feels too wrong to say V's in any places that aren't the start or end of a word. Yeah, like the Vivich. Bless you. Um, so, I, I agree with Matt. Yeah, you do. This must be what Will feels like all the time. <laughs> what? Well, right. <laughs> Angela. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be a rebel and I'm going to refuse to rank them in that manner just because. You're otherwise... just doing it to avoid 
Agreeing with it, yes. Yeah, pretty much. So I'm going to top and bottom it. So there are two on the bottom and there are two on the top. And the two on the bottom are Deadliest Bokeh and The Life and Death of Captain Suave, but for different reasons. Shocking. (laughs) The Deadliest Bokeh... I will always champion the fact that we have a female creator with female characters because, mm. yeah, it's not great. But there's an effort, and I appreciate the fact that Erica Schultz is, you know, a female creator. We we very rarely get a female writer. Most of the roundups we do, it's a bit of a tussle to even try and find sometimes a woman on the creative team. So I'm all for that. Um I think that she's over-egged her pudding or put too many flowers in her bouquet. I don't know what metaphor you want to go with, but she has. You know which one to go with. It's the too many flowers in the bouquet. (laughs) Bouquet. Um, Because I think she has an interesting setup. She has the potential to have just made a really interesting family drama crime thing. It didn't need Nazi assassins. They're there now, so who knows what she's going to do with them. And in the same way, the life and death of Captain Swarth has the same sort of a problem, but in a different manner, in that it has, it's trying to say something interesting. The problem with that is that where Deadly Spoke is saying too much, the life and death of Captain Swarth doesn't actually know what it's saying. It tonally, it's too shifty. It's interesting. I think it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting concept. The main character, clearly there is problematic issues with so yeah it's they are similar but different and therefore good and bad for the same way <laughs> reasons essentially so the top two on my little my little pile um mm. is obviously heart eyes and um, <laughs> for different reasons but also the same in that the character work is better in these two than it is in the other two so, Heart Eyes, you've got Lupe's an interesting character, Rico's an interesting character, Rico's family, eh, they're all right. Um, they serve a purpose. I think the setup's interesting. I think the idea of, because again, they're both taking ordinary things and doing stuff with them. So, you know, Heart Eyes is taking an ordinary girl and throwing her into a weird scenario with monsters and craziness and all the rest of it, even though she's just having a walk down the street, very normal thing. Um, whereas in Tvukurit, um, you've got Marty, who is a very normal slacker guy who's trying to do something more with his life and failing miserably. Um, and just, you know, interesting now getting mixed up with slightly crazier stuff. So they've got, you know, that juxtaposition of the ordinary and the crazy, but in very different ways. Um, so I'm interested in where both of those I'm interested in where the lower two go, but I think their potential, they're hobbling themselves. Whereas Heart Eyes and Vigfruit are, you know, they're pushing things a little bit more. So it's interesting to see where that goes. So those are my opinions. Do with them what you will. The end. Uh, So what, wait, do with them what I will. Okay, so swap two and one around. Are you welcome to? Yeah. But, yeah. There you go. Um. So that was three opinions. Yes. Indeed, it was. 
Uh, and uh, I assume we'll be back with more opinions in the future. I'd like to think so. We'll be back um, next week. You and Will are discussing Spy Family, Spy X Family, Spy yep. by Family, Spikes Family, Spy Cross Family, Spy, spy Multiplied by, Family. Uh, yeah. Whichever version of that one would like to believe in. Um, and, you know, we have been Angela, Matt and Zach. This has been Bigger Than Capes, August Roundup of yep. the books. I like to think we've all learned something today. Uh, don't podcast whilst tired. <laughs> well, yeah, don't podcast whilst tired. Being pretty pretty high on the list. And um, remember that comics are... Bigger, bigger than, than case. Case.